With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Mafia, a new podcast telling stories of America's criminal underworld. Gotti assumed the position of head of the Gambino family. And using the name Donnie Brasco, I was able to infiltrate the uh, Bonanno uh, crime family in New York City. Bugsy Siegel is an American mob legend. One man changed the whole texture and landscape of crime in America. Listen to Mafia every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. Johnny Carson once interviewed Betty Davis and asked if she had any advice for young starlets wanting to get ahead in Hollywood. She suggested take Fountain. Fountain Avenue runs parallel to Santa Monica and Sunset Boulevards in Hollywood and is often used to avoid the heavier traffic. And isn't that what we're all after? A smooth run, no holdups, not only in traffic, but also in life. How do people handle those holdups, the rejections? How do they create a life in the entertainment capital of the world? How do they identify and express their uniqueness in a place where hundreds of thousands are hoping to do the same? Welcome to Take Fountain. Compelling stories from passionate people who've made it, are making it, in Hollywood. Writers, comedians, actors, filmmakers. I'll talk to anyone with a story to tell. Welcome to Take Fountain, a podcast of passionate people working on their dreams. Compelling stories from Hollywood. Your host, Ella James. My guest today on Take Fountain is writer, author, dog rescuer, carer for the environment, Heidi, oh, and lover of the comma, um, Heidi Mastro Giovanni, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a thrill for me. Oh, I'm so happy. It's been wonderful ever since I met you. My yeah. first interview was with Jose Arroyo, and I met you through his wife. And uh, and I've wanted to have you on the show for a long time. So I'm really, really grateful to have this opportunity now. You're a writer. You're my first writer, really, oh to gosh. have. Yeah, I think you might. Well, people... They do a little bit of writing here and there, but you're a writer, writer, so that's what you do. Do you wake up every morning and write? I have a weird schedule. Um, I wake up and I go to the gym, I walk the dogs, I do marketing, I do email. I don't start writing until around four or five or six or seven in the evening. After late afternoon, early evening. And you know, I found that was the schedule through trial and error. Yeah. That was the schedule that was most joyous and most productive for me. So that's my weird schedule. So how long will you write then? How many hours will you write for? Uh, usually what it turns out to be, depending on how long it takes, I usually produce about four or five, three or four or five double space pages. And that will take anywhere from about two to five hours. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about what it is that you write, because firstly, 
You just let, well, let's do this in order, Ella. Hello. I'm trying not to be linear and I'm really struggling with it. Um, on the day you were born. No. <laughs> That's funny. So, La La Pettenbones, Act Two, or, or Second Act, is it? Act no, actually, two? it is, is La La Pettenbones, Act Two. Act Two. Yes, yes. Uh, which I saw on your Facebook page. I didn't know that you were working on it. I knew you were working on something. And I bought it and I finished it in two nights. I just loved it. It's, it means the world to me. Thank you so much. It's chick lit for chicks who are older than 40. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, where did the idea come from? It's, it's, it's quite autobiographical. And I, have a, I, I feel like I have a weird way of coming up with ideas. I'll hear a line of dialogue or I will think of a line of dialogue, and that will somehow then evolve into an entire story. Lala Pettibone, the name, somehow from somewhere, and I don't know where, the phrase Lala Pettibone, journalist to the stars, just popped into my head. Now, she didn't end up being a journalist to the stars, as you know. And by the way, I'm so thrilled that you enjoyed the book. It means the world to me. Um, she, that popped into my head, and then she she took root in a way that makes me feel like I know her, and I feel like she was telling me what to do. Okay, so there's almost a channeling thing that goes I on. I almost think of the word channeling. When you write, did you start with the beginning and work through to the end? Generally, yes. Okay. I generally, uh, my, my, my most profound educational experience in terms of writing has been with screenwriting. So I really do think in three acts. And I generally, what I like to do now, and this is something I've started fairly recently, especially because I'm working with these wonderful, uh, shout out to my fabulous publishers at Amberjack Publishing. In addition to being, as I always say, great at what they do, they're the nicest people in the world. They're so enthusiastic. They're so supportive. They're so wonderful. So I, I'm working on the sequel to Lala's story. And I sent them, I want to say, like a four or five page story in present tense of what I think that story is going to be, just to say, how does this sound to you? Does this sound like a good direction to go? I'm finding that really helpful in terms of sketching out for me, be it a screenplay or be it a novel, the beginning, middle, and end of the story that I'm looking to do. Then, of course, understanding that when you're writing, something's going to happen and someone else will come along, a different character, a different direction maybe. So you're flexible. But I, I like having those guideposts. So do you have post-it notes on a wall or a whiteboard or what do you... I you usually, that? that's a great question. I usually have um, the post-it notes on the whiteboard for my screenplays. I have not found that to be the case with the first uh, manuscript for Lala's story, nor with the second one. What I do, because I'm dreadfully organized being half German, and I'll be cliched about that and say, you know, being half German, you're very organized. I will take those four or five pages of double-spaced text that I wrote for the short story version of the, of the novel, and I will paste it into a manuscript document, and I will separate it into chapters. So each chapter will have the first sentence, and then I'll cut, so it's an outline, but it's right there in front of me in the actual document. And I find that, again, for me, yeah, that's my most helpful process. So when you say a manuscript document, are you using pages or Word, or is there a special writer's software that you use? I'm sure I know that there is, and I know that Final Draft is wonderful, and I think they even have a novel form. For me, it's just been Word. Word, okay. ju Word just works for me. Right. So I just have it set up the way that, that my publishers like for it to be set up, 
and double spaced and uh, what font? I, you know, I think it, that's such a good. I'm pretty sure it's Times New Roman, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Okay, but it's it's that again for me. You know, as I've as I've progressed as a writer, it to me is all about finding what works best for me. What is and there's two prongs to that. As I said before, it's the joy and it's the 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 productivity. Mm-hmm. So this is just finding out what I what I most enjoy doing. Uh, I heard an interview on NPR last week with Nora Roberts. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who also goes? She has another name. She's so prolific. Yes. That she's created. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I can't think of the word at the moment, but another name for uh, JD Rob. <gasps> and she said, "Writing is not an art or a craft. Writing is a discipline." And she writes every day, um, and doesn't judge it. Mm-hmm. And and just does the work. Yeah. Do you feel? Does that resonate for you? Very much so. Very mm-hmm. much so. Uh, and the and the corollary to that for me again has been, I write every day because I want to, because I found a way to really enjoy it. I do it on the couch, with my laptop, with my senior dogs who you just met. Gosh, and, and I hope not bottles of wine like Lala does. No. Um, New, and although I do love the idea, Uh, but it's uh, I have the TV on in the background low, because I find that that's just like a a white noise for me that allows me to not feel. I don't know why, but it's soothing for me, and I I do write every day because I want to. Again, I keep coming back to I do it because I I'm at I'm at I'm at a certain age in life. I have a milestone birthday this year. And uh, happy 30th. Thank you. <laughs> what, were you concerned I didn't love you enough already? Was that somehow a concern of yours? Because trust me, I did, and I do even more. Oh, honey, you know, I love the aging process. I, I love the too. wisdom. I do but too. let's I face love it, it, I look in the mirror sometimes and I think, how the heck did that happen? Well, may I say you look fabulous? May oh. I just say you look fabulous? <laughs> I, I love getting older. It's a, it's a gift. It's yeah. a joy. I, it's the um, alternative. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's just no, there's no question about that. But I find also as I get older, I'm making what I want much more of a priority than I did in my 20s and 30s. And I think that's a message I'm, I'm wanting to send out to everyone, but especially to women, given that I'm, I'm quite the feminist, you know. And uh, I think we're having a rough time. I think we're having a rough time, and I, I'm getting sick of the patriarchy. I was already sick of it. I'm even sicker of it now. So I would say to to all writers, especially to my fellow female writers, although we're all writers, I you know writers are writers, do what you love and do do what brings you joy. Do you? So having said, and I want to segue back into mm. feminism in a moment, but having said that, you you say that your most days start with your writing at four o'clock. Mm-hmm. Are you ever at the gym or out walking the dogs and you suddenly get this amazing idea? Yes. What do you do with it? Well, that's such a great question. I have tried to remember oh. to have something with me that oh, I can write on. That's like going yeah. to the oh. shops without a shopping list. No, exactly. I'm standing that's, there going, exactly. what am I here for? Exactly my thought. And, that, and that, has, that has been frustrating because I've done that without something to write down. I mean, yeah. I've been at the gym and said to the front desk, please do you have a piece of paper. Please do you have a pen. Um, I think I honestly think every writer should, at all times, walking the dogs, whatever you're doing, have something with them, be it your phone that you can speak into, or a pad or something, and it's a reminder to me, and when I go out and I don't have that, it's very frustrating, and I'm getting better and better at doing that. But yes, you have yeah. to write it down. 
And you, you know, because I do stand up as well. Mm, yes, right, right. And uh, and sometimes I'll be driving along and I'll think of something funny. But uh, but so I had a couple of problems. Number one, <clears throat> excuse me, before I went to a dialect coach here, and my American accent was not particularly good. Um, I I would speak into Siri in an American <gasps> accent, and I would get home and and it would say. Build the corn with the red pencil. And I'd go, what the? What, what is that? What is that? What's that's that fantastic. about? That's fantastic. So then I just, I, I, I started pulling over to the side of the road and yes. writing it down and to hell with anybody who was behind me. But then what I found was that if I wrote, do that joke about the red cupboard, <laughs> I'd be like, no, you're going to have to be, I needed to go through the steps of exactly. how it came into my head exactly. and, and why. And I, I speak to young, young comedians yes. or those starting out and they're like, oh, you know, I was in class tonight for the first time and I wasn't funny. And I'm like, mm. you know, you, it, I've got, I've got books of gags and jokes and thoughts. And I write them down and I walk away and I go back to them and I go, oh, yes, that, that will work if I add this to it. And, oh, no, it's still not funny. Let's go to an open mic and try it and so yes. on. So that brings me back. We've got away with talking about me again. <laughs> I love Isn't talking about you. I love talking about you. But, you know, uh, so, so sometimes when I write, um, I'll, I'll, I'll get 6,000 words in and then I'll go, oh, no, I don't like that at all. Absolutely. So I keep it and I just start a new draft. Yes. Does that happen to you? Very much so. I, I, there are, I also, I love the idea of looking at something and going, what, what did I mean? I have folders on my laptop. Oh, uh, you know, projects, new ideas, and I'll look at some things and I'll go, huh? You know, or, but other things, I mean, there'll be, as you said, there'll be complete scenes, the first act of a screenplay, the first act of something. And then it just wasn't the right timing. So let's look at that in the future and let's see. Absolutely. Very much so. I think for creative people, and I think you'll agree, it's a wonderful constant in our lives. I think we're always, especially because you and I share a love of making people laugh. I mean, my, my work is comedic. My novels are comedic. I always I, laugh out loud. I blame you, you for two nights of not sleeping. You know that that means the world to me. Oh, darling. The, the I'm world not and that. And, I, and I love so that. No, it means beautiful. so much to me. That I made you laugh means so much to me. I share a birthday with P.G. Woodhouse and Nietzsche, who is not known for being a laugh riot, but P.G. Woodhouse to me is just, I, I mean, the, the, if, I, if I make people laugh one small fraction as much as he has made me laugh, I will be a happy, happy, happy person. I love to make people laugh. And when we do, as, as you and I share that, I sort of feel like it's constant, like we're always listening for something or we're always thinking of something or we'll have a conversation in life and mm. something funny will come up. And it's, oh, let me, let me think about that. Maybe that could lead to something. It's the creativity. Because you're a human being and we are fraught with self-censorship, criticism and doubt. Yes. Well said, yes. Do you, do you ever have those moments where you look at something and you, and you say, oh, why did I think that was going to work? God, yes. Oh, God, yes. Why, How do a... you not do that? I mean, do well, you have, is, that part of, is that part of what we all have to do? I think, I honestly think, because I think that's such a great question. Um, 
and I, again, I, I think we share this, when you, when you create something, mm. be it a character in a novel, be it a joke that you're doing in stand-up, and you've been with it, and you've been with it, and you love it, and you want to protect it, and I think there's, for a moment, and I don't know if you agree, there's a moment where you don't want to send it out into the world. You just want to go, let me protect you, let me keep you safe. Mm. And then you send it out into the world, and it's vulnerable. And it's terrifying that someone might not like it. And I, there's a wonderful thing on Facebook I saw where it's, I think, for a writer where um, the, the cartoon and positive, 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 and all the, the voice bubbles are positive, and the person's just going, ah, like not trusting. Mm -hmm. And then the next panel is one negative thing, and the, the car cartoon character collapses and says, oh, my God, I have no talent. I have no right being a writer. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that's about. I don't know why, at least for me, 50 positive things have not as much volume as one negative thing. Yes. But I appreciate that we're talking about it and that we're at least, I think to me, awareness is maybe a good way of rewiring our brains. A, a wonderful friend of mine said, maybe it was about survival back in the caves when you had to really be aware of anything negative around you because it might involve a saber-toothed tiger. Yeah, but it's the lim I'm sure it's limbic. I'm sure it's I absolutely, absolutely agree. I, ab yeah, I think we're hardwired. I absolutely agree. But what I counsel people against mm. is do not take your book or your comedy or your singing or your dance or your to your mother, father, brother, lover who are not qualified in any way to do anything other than love and support you, because in this instance, they won't. They will tell you, you can't sing, you'll never be famous, you can't play an instrument, you can't write, you're not funny, I don't see why that's a joke. And those responses can shut you down absolutely. for years. Absolutely. And they're unqualified. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a book, and I'm probably not going to quote it, the title correctly, Steve Pressfield or Stephen Pressfield, the art of the art of war, yeah. the war of art, the war of art. Yeah, um, my Bible. Yes, and he talks about resistance. I, I honestly, you know, there are certain books that and Writing from the Inside Out by Dennis Palumbo, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful book. Again, one that I keep coming back to. Those two, in terms of, because I think now we're talking about the the heart and soul mm. of art and of being an artist, and I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's essential to have people who will say to you, I support you and you're wonderful. Let me tell you how I think this particular piece could be elevated. Which is your publisher. Exactly. Your, well, that your was circle. To. Your circle. Before you had a publisher, mm -hmm. who was your person? Who were your people? There, I was, I'm, I'm going to give a little, a little shout out. Uh, I don't know why I love that phrase, but I love it because it sounds like shout out. Um, I, I somehow found in a miraculous, when I was at a turning point in terms of my writing, because I didn't know what I was doing. And I somehow sensed instinctively that I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I found something called Screenwriting You, which is a, an in, you know, a, on the web community. Uh, although I have met people, for, it's around the world. And I've met people from that group here in Los Angeles. Hal and Cheryl Crowsman are my writing mentors. And they're amazing. And through that, I have found people in Los Angeles who have become very close friends. But, but the key piece is, before they became close friends, I respected and trusted them as writers. And those were my people. About two or three of them were, we would exchange things. Mm, mm, mm. And again, I, I, to be honest, I'm going to be brutal for a minute. I think when you exchange things, it should be with people whose writing, obviously, you have read, whose work you really, really, really respect. You know, I don't think it's a time to be kind. I mean, I think it's a time to be positive, mm. 
But to, and my question when I give a manuscript to someone is, tell me where I'm going wrong. Tell me what's not working for you. And please, if you can, tell me the moments where I missed a chance to elevate. This is, because this is the thing. The, the oh, I don't know, everyone's an artist, but let me just use the expression, mm. the non-artist, mm. is accustomed to a critique that is a mark out of 10 or a grade, yes. um, an A, B, yes. C, D, yes. or a black, white, right, wrong. Yes. And art is grey yes. and fuzzy. Yes, and, and, and it's personal. And personal. So you're not looking for somebody to say, I liked it, mm-hmm. or I didn't like it. Doesn't or, help. Oh, doesn't it doesn't help. What do you, you do need, with that? Oh, see what you've done with that character yes. there. Why don't you introduce yes. that a little bit earlier exactly. because that will increase the pace. Exactly. Or this style, because Lala was very pacey, you know. I needed to take um, a few drops. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. I can talk about this because it's legal in California. <laughs> um, but, a de- uh, but a dear woman who's sitting opposite me a mm-hmm. couple of years ago uh, once gave me the heads up about getting um, um, a cannabinoid tincture. tincture. It saved my life. Right? Yeah, great stuff. It's so good for yeah. helping me get to sleep at it, night. You and I are right there with it. But I'm yes. so sensitive to it that yeah. I have to take it when I'm lying in bed. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I just get couch locked and I can't move. And the important thing is to just lock up the chocolate before, (laughs) right? Yes. But reading La La, I did have to have a few drops because she's just like, bang, she's through. So uh, artistically, that was a really interesting structure that you used to keep that pace Mm -hmm. going. Mm -hmm. And that's what I mean when when I say finding the people who are going to be able to say that structure doesn't work or... And here's, and here's an idea that I have as to how you um, might adjust it. Um, I want to go back to something that you said when you realised you had no idea what you were doing. Is that what you said? Yes. <laughs> okay, so let's go back a little bit before that. Um, you're clearly your 30th. Um, <laughs> I, I so you've it. lived a life. I've lived a life, yes. What did, what did Heidi do at first in her life when she left college? Such a great question. I... Um, I got the acting bug when I was in second grade. We did a production of Alice in Wonderland. And I was, I, I was a little, I was a bitty thing. Um, I was small for my age. And I was cast, in my first example of typecasting, I was the Dormouse. And can I just tell you, I loved it. I fell madly in love. Uh, the applause. You know, the, the joy, the camaraderie of being in a cast together. It, it was, I was seven. It was just mad, madly, madly in love. I did that and I acted in high school. I uh, majored in German and theater in college because I'm very practical. So you can do, you know, so many things with a German and theater major. Uh, no, and I, I say that let sarcastically. Me, let me count the ways. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hindsight being what it is, yeah. I think it's great to do what you love. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to look back at my 17-year-old self that declared a major and go, you know, good for you. Yeah. That's what you wanted to do. Bravo. I, um, when I got out of college, I immediately moved to New York City and adored it and still adored. It's the greatest place in the world. And I went to be an actress I, I don't want to sound preciously self-deprecating. I really wasn't a very good actress. I was not one of those, to me, and I think we've talked about this at, at the many parties we've attended together, truth in an actor is my litmus test. Mm. There are actors who, uh, I mean, Manchester by the Sea to me was like I was eavesdropping on people. Absolutely. A devastating oh honesty. Oh, my God. 
And you know what? There were certain roles where I could be honest, and there were certain ones where I was as fake as you could possibly be, and I couldn't get past that. The thing about the sketch comedy group was when I started really writing, because we needed sketches. You know, we needed material, we needed to turn it over. And I had done some writing in college, but I didn't pay attention. I, I didn't really take any writing classes. My biggest piece of advice, because I've been asked this a few times, is if you're starting out, in your, if you're in college, if you're just out of college, learn, learn, and, and really never stop learning. Mm. Take the classes. I wish I had taken the classes that I took in my 30s and 40s when I was in my late teens and early 20s. Yeah, but, but you know, we can't. No, exactly. And you're exactly. looking at somebody who became an actor at 44. Bravo. Right? I don't think I knew that about you. Bravo. Oh, my gosh. Bravo. No, absolutely. Just sharing with the world. Mm. No, I, I mean, my agent back in 1996 was Mark Morrissey, who looks after the Hemsworths and, and, oh my goodness. and mm -hmm. you know, all of these mm -hmm. fabulous people. And, and we've stayed in touch. And he won't mind me saying this. He represented me for voiceover and I was a radio announcer. Mm. And he said, there's this role that's come in and I really think you're perfect for it. And I said, don't be crazy. I'm and you an hadn't actor. thought about acting no! at all? Like, not at all. All my school friends that I've known for four or years, <laughs> they, they said, but we always knew. Oh like, it gosh. doesn't surprise them in the least right. that I'm in Hollywood right. doing right. this. It just took me a little bit longer to find out. Absolutely. I have no regrets, mm -hmm. zero regrets about the time it took. Well said, yes. For me... It was, I was asked to do a verbatim text called Talking to Terrorists. Oh, that'll tag us on the media, on the internet. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, by a, um, Pamela Giacchini, who was directing. She's now in the UK. And I was doing voiceovers for her for a television network called SBS uh, for promos. And, you know, coming up next, Ooh. that kind of thing. And she said, I'm doing this verbatim text and I would like you to be a couple of roles in it. And I said, but I'm not an actor. She's rather trained, and she said, I think you are. Wow. So I went along with it. Wow. And I, I did it, and I was like, oh. Oh. It was like meeting a first love. It was oh. like, oh, this is who I am. Oh. It was like something literally was released in me. Beautiful. It just it changed everything. Beautiful. And then once I found it, I couldn't let it go. Yeah. And that then took me off into a whole new world. And, you know, you can never go wrong with acting because acting teaches you listening. Absolutely. Says somebody absolutely. who can't shut up. But it oh, does, you, you know. No, I absolutely, absolutely agree. And I also, um, you, we've, you know, the theme for so much of my work has been it's never too late. Mm. And I, I, I appreciate the point that you made because, you know, that in my 20s, I couldn't do that. I couldn't learn the things I needed to learn. Mm. I think everyone's timing is, is in some ways exquisite. And it is all. Yes. It is that, that, it is that magic. Yes. Um, uh, Liz Gilbert. Yes. In, yes. Is it Big Magic, the, the, uh, the book about writing? I think so, but I'm not sure. Yes. She talks about the ideas that, that come to you and you look at them and you think, that's a great idea, but I can't do anything with it yep. at the moment. And yes. then somebody else prints your play or, or, or there's a movie of your idea or there's a song or something. It, that's the magic. Yes. That it's yes. an idea that is not owned by you. Yes. And it gets snapped up by somebody else if you're yes. not ready. And that's not a bad thing. No, and I think, I think also, I don't know if you find, I find that there have been times when I've just known I can't hear that right now. Yeah. You know, but then in five years I hear it. It's, 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 the, it's the trust. 
also, I think it's the trust that, that it's listening to your instincts and trusting that the timing will be just right. Yeah. You know, I, sometimes timing is so exquisite that it's just breathtaking personally and professionally, which I love. I love that. I, I found my publishers. I don't remember what internet search led me to their fabulous website, but the timing was just right. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And I think sometimes, again, sometimes timing is just so beautiful that that to me is, is, is a sense, I have a sense of awe from that, that is, that is borders on the divine. Mm. Yeah. I think, you know, there's a lot of, <clears throat> we're talking earlier about my desire not to be a fridge magnet. Yes, which and, I, I love. And that. yet often sounding like a fridge magnet. But, there, but there's loveliness in that too. <sighs> yes, I know. Yeah. But I mean, really, <laughs> you know, I mean, Gandhi did not say, be the change you want to see in the world. <laughs> He didn't. I love he just that. Didn't. I love that. He just didn't. Yes, I, get, yes. I have to. I yes. spend too much of my time yes. Yes. verifying fridge magnets and memes yes. that I see yes. on Facebook I know. now because I, I can't know. stand the I inaccuracy know. of the la- it and the laziness of it. And the, the laziness yeah, exactly, of it. Exactly. Exactly. But you know, there's there's a lot of talk about um, leap, leap off the cliff, yes. and. Um, you know, take a risk and, mm-hmm. and a Goethe, whether yes. it was actually, and there's the other thing, was it actually him who said it? You know, whatever, um, begin Imagine it now, it begin it now. Power, it has power in That's right, and it's yes. the slipstream yes. of once you, yes. and that, that's physics, that's quantum physics. Yes. You know, once you get in the in behind the, the, the boat or the aircraft, you will get sucked into that that vortex of yes, power that, and that movement, part of yes, that. Yeah. and that's what happens when you join a sketch group or mm-hmm, a, or mm-hmm. a study group mm-hmm. or you know and sometimes it's also when you sit with your own thoughts yes. and and that is um the um, another fridge magnet of mine <laughs> which is there are many um uh, god grant me the courage to know the things that I can change yes. and the and the yes, what and the, to, the serenity to, and the that's yes, it and the yeah yes, which is yeah, an Alcoholics yeah, Anonymous yeah. quote uh, yes I it think. is that's right um, that's right I forgot that that's but right. it's uh, but the 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 brains to know the difference basically yes. that to be able to change the things yes. I can change to leave the things yes, that I can't exactly. and the wisdom exactly. to know the difference exactly. that's it thank you Ella <laughs> and if you'd like to just... I like the brains to know because it's more it's grittier I love it right well. You know that that—that's the thing with art, isn't it? That it's not—it's not finite and it's not exact. How do you know when you got? How did you know when you got to the end of Lala? That's a great question, and that really, for me, involved again a piece of advice that I would give to people. I—I I worked on it 
and I worked on it on the manuscript. I, uh, my, my mentors have a lovely piece of advice, which is give yourself permission to write shitty first manuscripts. And, you know, just get it down. To me, it's like, get it on paper, get it down. Redo it, redo it, you know, as the cliche goes, it's in the rewriting. And uh, I took it to the place that I, the best place that I could take it, the absolutely best place that I could take it. And then I have that handful of people who I trust implicitly and I gave it to them. And then I got notes from them. And then based on that, I elevated it again. So to me, it is a constant sense of, can you make it better? Can you make it better? Can you make it? And better, by better, I mean whatever better means. Does it mean clearer? Does it mean quicker? Does it mean slower? Does it mean more concise? Mm. What's the best way to tell this story? Uh, just as a sidebar, I find that when I'm reading, I've been binge reading one of your country fellow countrymen, Leanne Moriarty. Moriarty. Like I had to. Have I you mean, watched Big Little Lies? Yes, I have. Yes, yes I have. Yeah, I, I, as I read, I, I'm thinking about what's making this a positive experience for me. Yeah. And then I seek to put that positive quality in my books, in my voice. So with Lala, I, when I got the responses that I wanted to get from the people I trusted and respected, that to me was a sense of, okay, maybe this can now be seen by people I don't know, mm. by professionals who I don't know. And that, that, was a, that ended up being a pretty good thing because of that circle of fellow writers I have who do great work and who I trust. Progressive presents Get Pumped, inspiration to help you do insurance stuff. Okay, time out. You're going to let your budget be the boss of you? Take control with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay for car insurance, and we'll help you find options that fit your budget. Here's some music to get you pumped. I hear your budget laughing at you. Oh, wait, that's just those kids laughing at me. Ignore them! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Take Fountain with Ella James. So how many drafts do you, I mean, you might not want to tell me this, but how many drafts did you go through, do you think? Do you know, I don't remember because I was, that really, that wasn't the first novel that I wrote. Right. But it was the first novel I wrote since I took uh, the screenwriting U classes. Okay. Which I feel really, I really do date my creative life before and after that. It just was, it was so, that, it was that, it was that profound. Before, it really? was groundbreaking. It was profound. It was life altering. And it was screenwriting. Yes. So it wasn't yes. novel writing. No, but it was storytelling. Okay. To me, it was story. To me, it was how do you tell the most compelling and effective story in whatever format you're going to be using. So, so given that Lala was the first one I did after that, um, I wasn't, focusing as much on how many drafts I did. Um, it was certainly a number. <laughs> it would have to be a number, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. It, couldn't be, it couldn't be, you know, a chair. <laughs> it would have to be a number. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but it was a very, oh, I'm going to spout a cliche. It was a very organic process. Oh, my God. That, now, that's not a cliche. That's a fridge magnet. It's a fridge magnet. Do you see magnet. what I mean? I love that. They're everywhere. But, I love it. Yeah, yeah look. Yeah. They are everywhere. Yeah. That yeah. is... But it, it really worked. It really worked for me. It was just, it worked in the sense of, I was really having a good time. I was having fun spending time with these characters at the risk of patting myself on the back. I, I just had fun and I made sure I had fun. 
I need to break a habit. Yeah. Um, because I started life as a radio journalist, mm. or as a newsreader, really, and somebody who could type at 120 words a minute. Wow. I really had no idea what else wow. I was doing, but I was a good reader mm. and I was a fast typer. So I was great for late breaking stories. Mm. And other journalists would dictate it and I would, you know, tap it up. Anyway, my life. But <laughs> so I'm very good at 15 second pieces of actuality or 30 wow. seconds or four paragraphs or, you know. Um, and then a, a voice artist, I, I read 30-second copy. Mm. So um, I've been working on a 10-part series uh, recently with a collaborator and she she emailed me the other day and she said, can you give me a log line for this because I, I want to take it to someone. And, and I just went bang. It's fantastic. And she said, how did you do that? It's fantastic. Well, yeah, but the thing is, so I get an idea for a story and I do the moth. Do you, have you ever done the moth? No, what's that? <gasps> I'm so embarrassed. Oh, no, 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 don't be embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. We've got to do that one night. Okay. The moth.org is a storytelling yeah. event that's held internationally. Started over in New York or Chicago, I think, but is here in LA. And you get up on stage and for five minutes you tell a story that has to be authentic, it has to be about you, wow. based on a theme that they announce on their oh, website. Can we do that? Seriously, yes, that just sounds so wonderful. Oh, man. I, I oh. won it and got invited to the, the slam oh, and did that. Congratulations. Oh, man. But it's a five-minute story. It's Fantastic. my wheelhouse. Fantastic. Okay? Fantastic. So my thing is, oh, that was such a great story. I want to turn that into a novel. Yeah. And I get 10,000 words in and I'm like, well, that's done. Then maybe you're a short story writer. I'm not Ooh. kidding. I'm not even kidding. Like short um, stories are wonderful. The the red dog. Who wrote that? That was turned into a movie. Oh, that uh, fabulous! Uh, something of the dog in the night. I know exactly. That's a bit of that one. Think, yeah. You see, yeah. that's what happens yeah. when you're thirty. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So let's go back. You yeah. said that you were binge reading Leanne Moriarty, yeah. and I just read uh, Margaret Atwood's. The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> it's too painful. It's too visceral. Had to read it yeah. because yeah. Oh, God. Uh, Elizabeth Moss yeah. is about to star in that's the right. series that's coming that's on right. to I Hulu. I forgot that. That's right. And you know, as you know, it was also made into a movie. Yes. With the late and absolutely wonderful... Um, Went right out of my head. Yeah. That's okay, because yeah. there are people who listen to these podcasts who are 20 and they can look <laughs> these things up. Um, so... So for me, reading that, and, I, and, and for International Women's Day, there yes. was something on yes. social media that yes. said, people ask me, why do you write, I'm going to misquote this, why mm. do you write about women's paranoia? Mm. And she said, I'm writing about their awareness of their lives. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So why, why is this still an issue? It why? drives me crazy. I saw an Australian guy write something the other day on social media, clearly I don't have a life. <laughs> but he started off his diatribe with, I'm a husband and the father of two girls. Mm. And I wanted to write back, I've seen a penis. It doesn't mean I understand men. God, I, I wish you had. And is that an, that's one of the most brilliant lines I've ever heard, and I mm. love it. Oh, good. You I absolutely it love like. it. Thank you. Well, uh, but seriously. But, it's, but you're absolutely, the reason it's brilliant is you're absolutely right. And, and you know, if my if at any point my head explodes while we're talking about this, please tell Tom and the dogs that I love them. Okay. And and uh, you know, ma and make sure he finds someone after I my head explodes who loves animals when he marries again. Um, I can't bear it. I can't. I was there, darling, when we fought the first fight. I was there for the I probably the second wave of feminism, but but really, it's this year, and we have to go through this shit again. I mean. Um, when I see, first of all, mansplaining 
makes so much sense that 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 word exists and that it's so infuriating the 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 patronizing the 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 uh condescending the fact that and i'm not going to even say that person's name but the fact that the fact that a certain person can sit in a room that's in an oval shape and have white middle-aged men around him while he signs legislation about women's bodies makes me want to lose my mind. By, and by the way, that's, that's in the United States where in Saudi Arabia, women aren't allowed, and I just made air quotation marks, to drive. Yeah. Really? Fortunately, they can pilot planes. They just can't exactly, drive I, from exactly, the airport when exactly, they get there. Exactly. So, so I was reading an interesting article about outrage. Mm-hmm. And because I think... I think social media has given rise to outrage. I'm outraged. Yes. And then what? Mm-hmm. Um, I've lived with for years, you know, being called a hairy-legged, um, left-wing, Chardonnay-sipping, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, don't be so sensitive, yeah. you know, yeah. that if you, can't, if you can't root it yeah. or play sport yeah. with it or marry it yeah. and yeah. it bears your children, then it yeah. has no value to you. But why is it? I don't, what I don't understand is when more and more marriages are breaking up, so these men are being raised by women, why is this still an issue? It's an excellent question, and I just don't know. I, 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 is, it, is, it about, is it about power? Is, you know, is, are we getting into the nature versus nurture where I somehow feel like, you know... Is it is it ego with I, I hate I'm going to be very general, and I'm I'm going to apologize for being very general. But there have been so many times, and I do think this is a man thing, and I don't know if men are born with it or if they're raised with it. But I don't know if you've noticed where if a man feels criticized, he immediately fights back, and I you know and and, and challenges back, and doesn't hear and I mean, criticized. I don't mean even in a negative way, mm. but I, I, and again, I'm being very general. I apologize, but I've seen it enough where I've gone, Hmm, I'm getting a little bit of a pattern here. I do feel that women will hear a criticism and maybe take it too much to heart. Mm. Maybe we go to the opposite extreme, but I do feel we'll at least listen. Yeah. There's a, there's a language an exp- and, a, and, a, and uh, we don't we, generally, mm. This, this is a whole other podcast, right? Yes. I'd yes. love to. We, we can do something with that. That would be great. Um, it's that notion of a woman's language in an email. And I, I, yes. I coach, so I talk yes. to people about, I look at their communication structure in the yes. workplace. Yes. And it's full of, if kind of, sort of, if it's okay, do you mind? Exactly, if. exactly. Um, we apologize before we start. We apologize before we start. Before we start. So we have conversations in our you. head. Yes. Oh, I'm not going to say that because yes. I know what they're going to say. Yes. It's the other thing that I, gosh, generalization and I'm sexist too, but there's a business in Australia that drives around in vans, mm. um, staffed by men, um, and it's called We Fix What Your Husband Tried To. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Isn't that just fabulous? Yeah. yeah. So, so what my experience of men has been is I will always... I will type the address into Waze, I'll know where I'm going, I'll get, I'll get several quotes, I'll try and know what I'm doing because I like that level of organisedness. Mm-hmm. And men just dive in yeah. regardless and deal with it. Yeah. That's entrepreneurial spirit. Maybe that is testosterone. Maybe that is caveman. Yeah, right? yeah. I yeah don't exactly. Know. Maybe it's I the territorial. I th- I'm think- when you were talking, I was thinking about territory. Yeah. And how, how you know, the, the I often think about a man's contribution to making a baby and a woman's contribution. Mm. You know, it's, it's so unbalanced. So men can have multiple children. Until they're 150. Until they're 159. Yeah. It's just, there's no ticking clock there. So they, I feel like their territory, at least, again, if we're talking about that, is bigger. But I also feel like it's 2017 and we can choose to make our territories. We women can choose to make our area bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think that that's, there are men. We've seen them. We've seen them on the news. I mean, we've seen them talking about restricting women's access to birth control, but certainly not men's access to Viagra. Oh gosh, that's funded. That's funded. In what universe? I mean, to, to, again, I think my head may explode, uh-huh. but, but I think, I think. Keep we, your pussy head on. Love. Yes. Yes. And that will contain my brain. Uh-huh. I, I think we are talking about women finally saying enough, enough. I mean, we have, we've said enough for decades. But I feel like we're all coming together now. And I think that's certainly okay. one positive thing. So here's the thing. The mythology around us coming together. Mm. Because we get that vibe from where? Social media. Right. Yeah. Okay. So um, you and I separately, I'm sure you did, on the 21st of February. Absolutely. Of, of January. Of no? ja- yeah. Was yeah. it? Yeah. Was it the the women? The women's the, march. Yeah, that was in January. Seven hundred and fifty thousand downtown. 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 Yeah, they were expecting sixty-eight. <clears throat> excuse me, sixty-eight thousand. Yeah, seven hundred fifty thousand. It was, it was amazing, amazing, right? Yeah. And you know, I see your feed on Facebook and 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 other social media, and and you see mine, and you know, we're we're diving in, and we're and my journalism has come back to the fore. Yes. Yes. Um, as far as what all of this means. So explain to me this. In a world where, <clears throat> excuse me, it must be upsetting me to talk, talk well, about it. Well, it's, it's um, viscerally very upsetting. It is. Because one of the things that I'm starting to read is what's the good thing that's come out of this is that it's made women more aware. Yeah. Of, yeah. And it's made us more aware of politics and yeah. how it works. And it's made us more aware of being part of the process. Yeah. I, so there were elections on Tuesday in Los Angeles. Yes, yes. And 11% I know, I know, I know. of the population I know. turned out. I, I mean, they I, don't give no, any... No, no, I absolutely agree. And I, I don't get it. I, I, you know, you start voting when you're 18. As God is my witness... I have not missed an election since. I vote in the midterms because they're extremely important. So for me, I was always very, very politically involved, very politically aware. I don't get not voting. I just don't get it. 11%. 11%. I mean, it it is, you know, it is humiliating and I'm ashamed. So, but what it proves, it proves it's not an article written in the Guardian or the New York Times or the Washington Post or blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It's, not an, it's not an article saying times are improving, we are more right. aware. Right. It's proof exactly. that we couldn't give a flying. Yeah, 
Yeah. In, I mean, in, you, in and Australia, I, you and I could. But in Australia, we it, have compulsory voting. I am 100%. It's on a Saturday. Yep. You go to your local school or church hall. Mm-hmm. You buy a, a knitted coat hanger cover from a lady from the church and you buy some strawberry jam <gasps> and the scouts do a, um, a sausage sizzle. Lovely. In a piece of white bread with some onions <laughs> and some tomato sauce. Um, and you vote. Yeah. That's what you do. You yeah. vote. It's yeah. compulsory. I, I don't for the life of me understand why it's not here i don't understand why election day is on a tuesday and if it is let's make it a national holiday i don't get me started on the electoral college because i will lose my mind i just don't get it it should be compulsory it is not it's not a luxury it's not it's not a it's not even a right it's an obligation Mm. this is we are a we are a we are a society I it's I don't get well, it. I don't get you. There's your big question. Yeah. Are we? Well, Are we? Well, I don't I know. don't know anymore. I don't know anymore and I absolutely agree with you and I don't but, know anymore. So this brings know. us back more yeah. more important than ever. Mm-hmm. We must find a like-minded tribe. I agree. To to befriend. Yes. To mentor. To nurture. To yes. Yes. be mentored by. Yes. We must also find those who share different values and opinions so that mm-hmm. we are informed. Yes. Because I'm not averse to having my mind mm-hmm. changed mm-hmm. about some things. Um, and part of that is you. Part of that is you writing the stories of your experiences that will resonate with other people. So I have this thing that my podcast listeners, you have probably heard this before because I know that you listen also. Mm -hmm. When a young person suggests that they're going to write a memoir Mm. and they're 22, (laughs) I suggest that they read five more books before they write one. Mm -hmm. That's really arrogant of me because Mm -hmm. there's no reason why a 22-year-old can't purely on the basis of their age write of their experiences. But we don't really write to inform, do we? we? We write to entertain. Storytelling is maybe the oldest social and cultural function. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Is that what we do? I, I, I think we do both. I really think we do both. I mean, I, I think that when we communicate through stories, and I absolutely agree, I mean, I think we're all storytellers. We, if you're chatting with someone on the subway for five minutes, you maybe have to exchange some stories. Um, but I also think a story is a way of communicating either your, well, I think you're always communicating your values. To me, it really, really, really comes back to values. You know, for just as one, one example that I hope is helpful, I don't know that I'll, I'll ever be able to write a, um, a, a protagonist who isn't a vegetarian. I don't know. I don't know that I'm going to be able to do that because it's something that is so profoundly dear to me is a love of animals. Um, I just don't know that I'll be, who knows? We'll see. But, but I convey something that's very important to me via my characters. So I think we're, we're trying to, I think we're communicating. And I think communicating is what's so important. I want to harken back to what you said in terms of being around people you disagree with. For me, I can disagree with anyone. And I can talk to them about that if I sense that they're coming from a base of kindness. I feel that there are far too many people 
in the public discourse, certainly from my point of view, who are not coming from any kind of base of kindness. So that's that's where I start to feel like things are breaking down in a way that I don't I don't know. How do you how do you get someone to be kind? Sort of like an aside. Mm. But but if I if I if my stories convey anything, um, it is it is the importance of 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 kindness. And that's so that is in, in addition to entertaining, I'd like to sort of lead by the example of my characters yeah. and maybe maybe enlighten a little bit. I certainly feel like the the stories that have stayed with me, um, be they the memoirs or be they the nonfiction books, um, or be they the beautiful novels. My, one of the ones that I always mention is *The Count of Monte Cristo*, is my favorite classic novel. Um, although it's interesting, it's about it's about it's about it's never too late, and it's about recovering your life, but it's also about revenge. But I, I do giggle because I am half Sicilian, so you know. Revenge is, is you know, my, my natural thing. But uh, having, having said all of that, The Count of Monte Cristo in its full 1,500 pages, not the abridged version, is, is about um, values because it's about someone being treated, being, and it's about an injustice yeah. being, I think, corrected. So that, that to me is where enter- I was entertained. I couldn't stop turning the pages. Same thing with Leanne Moriarty because mm-hmm. there are relationships and there are, there are values in there. So yeah. I think I think we I, I'd like to think that the things that really stay with us, the movies we can watch over and over again. Yes, because that's always my litmus test. I mean, mm-hmm. Sisters with Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. Mm-hmm. I've probably watched it like a dozen times already. It's hilarious, and it's also about them being sisters. Yes. So it it conveys entertainment and and thought to me, which I love. Yes, sometimes. When you really love something so, so much, it can reveal parts of yourself that you didn't know. Beautifully were there. said. Beautifully said. So this is where I came here on Friday, and it's now Saturday at noon. <laughs> you are just fabulous. Well, you are fabulous. We could go on and on. Can I just quickly tell that you met my three senior dogs for the first time, mm-hmm. and and this is just this to me. Animals know, mm-hmm. and this just to me speaks volumes about how fabulous you are. As if your listeners didn't already know that, but my three senior dogs basically did this. Oh my God, there you are. We love you so much. And you were holding my three point five pound Chihuahua, and he had a look on his face of like just having settled into absolute heaven. So I just again that speaks Aww. volumes to me about who you are. That's so that's so gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I want to touch on two things before we before we finish up. Um, firstly, where can people buy Lala? Is she available online all around the world? All around the world. Um, so, so my website is <clears throat> HeidiMasterGiovanni.com, and it's H-E-I-D-I-M-A-S-T-R-O-G-I-O, V as in Victor, A-N-N-I. And she's on Amazon. She's on Barnes & Noble. IndieBound, a great source because you can type in your zip code and then there'll be an independent bookstore. Love those independent bookstores near you. Uh, she's on Walmart and Target's websites. So, and actually my, my niece in Germany just had her delivered. My very close friend in France just had her delivered, was delivered to France. So it should be an international thing that should work. And of course I'd be thrilled and honored if your listeners would, would give her a look. Absolutely. You're going to write a screenplay? Yes, it was, oh, it was. It was. You know, it was really written with with a movie in mind, in, based on my the great enjoyment of the Bridget Jones 
movie. Yes, it's just yes. so much fun. Yeah, well, that's that's I saw it. I just oh, you, you painted a picture in my mind, and of course, you know, as an actor, I'm like, well, who can I be? I have someone in mind. Oh, do you really? Uh-huh. Oh uh-huh. my gosh, that's uh-huh. so exciting. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Brenda, the high school friend. Oh my gosh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Just saying. Just saying. Just tossing that at work on your American oh accent. I know it's fabulous. It's not a problem. Yeah. Is she a New Yorker? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, well, Actually, no, grew up, grew, up, grew, up in Santa, grew up in Santa Monica. Oh, well, went, I can do Santa Monica. School. I just yeah. say beach, yeah. not booch. <laughs> um, okay, so last thing. People say that their number one fear is a fear of death mm-hmm. and then a fear of public speaking. Mm. But I actually think that the number one fear is a fear of not being heard. Do you agree? Actually, I almost got teary when you said that. That it's so I, I I'm I'm almost speechless although I'm actually technically never speechless because I love to chat. Um, that has been you, you just said something incredibly profound. It has been something that has been with me for my whole life, and and nothing will set me on edge more than feeling that I haven't been heard, and nothing like we just had a moment where I feel that you really heard me because you knew. Uh, nothing means more than being heard. Mm. And I think that that's so... Like, my, my animals, they just want to be heard. That's and they expect to be heard. Yes. Maggie the beagle will not stop until I pay attention to her baying. Yeah. And I think, for, and I'm going to come back to it, I think for women especially, sometimes, a lot of times we're not heard. And I think we should treasure the people in our lives who hear us. Yeah. That's lovely. This has been so much fun. I can't thank you enough. Heidi Mastro Giovanni. She is a writer. She is a lover of animals. She's a lover of the planet. She's an all-round great person, and her book is available. Lala Petty Bones, Act Two. And uh, it's online. HeidiMastroGiovanni.com. Thank you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Tate Fountain with Ella James. For more, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. You can subscribe to the podcast at Audio Boom, Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. From Audio Boom comes Covert, a new podcast that delves into the murky world of spies soldiers, and top-secret military operations. I'm Jamie Rennell, and together we'll discover the real stories of history's greatest classified missions, told by the operatives, soldiers, and journalists who experienced it firsthand. Follow Covert on Spotify, or subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows.